Loyal listeners, welcome back. We have a pretty special episode, I'd say. Very special. Very special. It's something that we haven't done in two years. At least two years of the podcast. I, your host, Zachary Chasting. And I, your other host, Nicholas James Schuff. We are sitting no more, no less than approximately 10 feet from one another. Hey, Zach, I'm waving to you right now. Hey, Nicholas. We are in live and in person. Not live for you, but definitely live for us. Woo! And we should insert clapping noises right there. <laughs> we'll get you. It, it's it's definitely something. It's a lot different. I think our mic quality is going to be a lot better. Really good. And you'll have us here live for the next two weeks, and maybe maybe some episodes down the road. Yeah. But I feel like we just promised really good audio, and it may be horrible. I I I think that back in the day. Uh, I don't think ours is bad, but I definitely think that once we moved to the virtual format, it took a hit. Yeah. I think this is a lot crisper. We'll see. Hopefully, I'm right. Um, but Georgia football brings us together in person, and our passion for movies brings us to you now. Nice. So, of course, if you've been following along with us on our journey through the IMDb Top 250 Films of All Time, we have landed on... 239 today we've we've broken out of the 240s seems like it was a i don't know it took it felt like we were on 240s for a long time for a while but we are coming up on some movies after viewers i need you to power with us for the next 10 episodes maybe until we get to hetchy a dog's tail we got hetchy a dog's <laughs> tail coming up <laughs> but once we get past maybe 220 that's when I don't think they'll go a week when you loyal listeners won't know a movie. You won't have to do any homework. Because I'm not going to lie, some of these movies that we've been watching kind of feels like I'm back in school and we're doing homework. It does feel that way. But maybe not today. Because brings us to 239, 1940s, Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca. You ever heard of this movie, Nicholas? No. I So for some context, I didn't know this movie existed. Um, knew nothing about it. You told me earlier that it was based on a novel. Had no idea existed. Um, I even now still can't even tell you what type of genre this film I just watched was. Yes. Yeah, so if, if you listened to the episode last week, you will recall a sort of synopsis that I think was greatly exaggerated of what this movie was about. Because if I can pull up IMDb, they might have even changed the synopsis since the last week, but it says, A self-conscious woman juggles adjusting to her new role as an aristocrat's wife and avoided being intimidated by her wife, his first wife's spectral presence. Yeah. There ain't no spectral presence in this yeah. movie. I thought it was going to be like a ghost or something. Yeah, not the case at all. Nothing of the sort. No. So, because I, I obviously knew that was coming or I thought it was. So the whole movie, I'm like, when are we going to see some ghosts? Yep. No ghosts. And the last two hours and 10 minutes later, no ghosts arrived. <laughs> you know, not at all. Um, but Nicholas, I, I thought that we're here in person. I might as well give our loyal listeners and you a quick history lesson. 
Oh, I'm always here for it. Um, can you? What episode did we do our our uh, production Hollywood studio production system episode on? Would that have been? It happened one night. I think it must have been, but I refrained from talking about the Hayes codes, the production codes, because if you we, if you recall. They were not in effect yet when this movie came out, even though they, it was both 1934. Yep. So I thought that I would give you a a, a little crash course, a, a slight crash course. We're not going to spend too much time on this. Audience members, kick back, recline. Let's get some history. So, Zachary, take it away. Hayes Codes started in 1934 and came to an end in 1968. And this this may be rehashing some of it, but I'm going to... I'm going to give a just just the basics. That's the best type of teacher, a little and remediation. And basically it's spelled out accountable, I mean acceptable and unacceptable content for films produced for American viewers. So that doesn't count imported films. Like uh Persona wouldn't sure. be affected by this. Um so there were several scandals that rocked Hollywood in the late 20s. There was some sexual assault, some rape. There's a lot of unsavory things going on. And the public had a pretty negative perception of the Hollywood elites. They thought they were bad influences. And a lot of outspoken churches said that they were just moral, morally questionable and not a good thing. So this wasn't just ladies just showing ankle. No, this was uh, this was Hollywood actresses being raped by producers and getting away with it and then Producers talking about what they were doing. Wah, wah, wah. So, there were uh, a series of, uh, I guess, lobbyists. I'll use the word lobbyists for you government fiends out there. Um, some lobbyists said to their representatives, we need to start a strict censorship of Hollywood films. Like so, the Comics Code Authority. Of course. I don't know what that is, but <laughs> yes. So before that happened, Hollywood came together and said, we are imposing our self-censorship rules. And we don't have to get into the logistics of it. But I, I wrote down, a f uh, jotted down a few, uh, what they called the do, the don'ts and be carefuls. Okay. No, it's just a quick little list. No profanity pointed at God. No sexual perversions. Very broad. Which I think we can talk about in a second, about how this is sort of bending the rules. Mm -hmm. No white slavery. No ridicule of the clergy. No suggested nudity, including, but not limited to, silhouettes. And by 1934, all films had to acquire a certificate of approval before they could be released to the American public. And then I'm going to fast forward to the 60s because why are you laughing? No, I'm just <laughs> I'm thinking about some of these. <laughs> there was a long list. Just if you really want to go into it, just yeah. look up just the Hayes codes and you can you can read all about it. Um but by the by the 60s there were a, a lot more European imports coming in like Bergman and all these uh, new wave films from France, and yeah, they—it's it's very obvious that uh, it, Persona 
there's a wiener, so yeah. it's definitely not. 400 blows. Was there any nudity in that? I don't recall. I don't think I, so. I think Breathless has some nudity in it. Um, so by the 60s, the studio started to uh, push the codes to their limits and were showing a lot of more, quote-unquote, risque stuff. So by, the, by 1968, the MPAA and the modern rating system was adopted. So you had the the PG, G, PG, and R, and then X, and it's been tweaked since. So that was my l- quick little crash course. That's good. Um, I did it this morning. I could have done it more, but I had a busy week, so I <laughs> couldn't really go in-depth on it. Yeah. I'm just oh. thinking about some of them, like white slavery. <laughs> my, <laughs> my favorite was no white slavery. <laughs> I just had to let you keep going on that one. Um, but yeah, that's it. Okay. Um, any any thoughts? Any comments? Any questions? That no, I mean it. Just uh, it seems like a lot of artistic mediums back then were just they all had some sort of code. Um, yeah, because once once you know what like the codes generally are, you can you can sort of infer what other stuff would be prohibited. Yep. yep. So. A central plot point of this movie is the fact that the Rebecca, the dead wife, had a room to herself. Yep. And obviously, no married couple would ever sleep in different sides of a manor. That's right. Which Unless pr- one just gets really hot. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe one snores. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, it was pretty funny that like they, they built this entire plot point around the fact that Couples would never sleep together. Right. Yeah, that's outrageous. Um, so I have uh, right here some context for the movie that we're about to go into. Okay. Like you said earlier, based on a 1938 novel of the same name by a guy I don't know how to say his name. <laughs> it was Alfred Hitchcock's first American film that's for right. American audiences. And one of his earlier works, 1940, we don't get Psycho till the 60s, Vertigo, 60s. Um Nominated for 11 Academy Awards, won Best Picture and Best Cinematography. Nicholas, do you have the list of all the other categories it was nominated for? I do. I have um, on top of the on top of the wins that it brought home, it was uh, nominated for Best Actor in a Leading Role for Mr. Lawrence Olivier. Olivier, uh, we're never good with names. Uh, Best Actress in a Leading Role. Joan Fontaine, Best Actress in a Supporting Role, Judith Anderson. We have a lot to say on Miss Anderson. Uh, nominee Best Director for Mr. Hitchcock. Nominee for Best Writing and Screenplay. Uh, nominee for Best Art Direction in Black and White. Nominee for Best Film Editing. Nominee for Best Effects slash Special Effects. And nominee for Best Music and Original Score. Interesting. Um, I just jotted down. I didn't think... The score was anything to write home about. It's kind of basic. We literally just watched it. Couldn't really pinpoint much about it at all. I wrote down classic studio studio era score. It is. It's crazy when we go from a movie like Papa Panchali to this, mm-hmm. and how much that music elevated that film, mm-hmm. and how much this one just. It didn't make it bad. It was just. Yeah, it was just nothing distinguished. No, yeah, I don't remember nothing at all. It's not. It's no La La Land score. Oh. Uh, um, anyway, so this was Alfred Hitchcock's only film to ever win Best Picture. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. Because 
maybe we'll get into it. I don't. I don't. I still don't know my final thoughts on this movie because I don't know if we even said this. We finished the movie and hopped straight onto this. Yep. But it's definitely not better than Psycho, Vertigo. No. Birds. No. Rear Window. I I'm curious what those films went up against to not win. I mean, I'm not saying all those are Oscar winners mm-hmm. or worthy of winning the Oscar, but come on. North by Northwest. All these, and we'll we'll get. I think I think quite a few of those are going to be on the list. Yeah, I imagine they will be. I know. I think Vertigo is like an eight point seven. Yeah, it's also worth noting. Uh, didn't you say that this this was the one of only two Hitchcock films that were not part of his Criterion collection that you have? Oh, it's my. It's not a Criterion collection. It's like a, just like a a Blu-ray collector's edition. And of course, I was like, oh my gosh, I can. Like, I'll, I'm ashamed. I've had this for two years. I don't think I've ever. W- like f- pulled out. I've watched like Psycho again but I think I watched it on like Peacock sure never pulled out the disc I said oh I'm excited yeah. and then of course it's not in there of course yeah Um. but where was I like we said about Cool Hand Luke this was su- uh, selected for preservation in the National Film Registry the Library of Congress in, ni- in 2018 so pretty recently for very recent and this movie was severely affected by the Hayes Codes because in the book uh, Max, the husband, actually kills Rebecca. Wow! But the 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 Hayes Code said that the murder of a spouse could never go unpunished. <laughs> so they changed it to <laughs> it was an accident. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Which is like kind of crazy because she's turns out to be the villain of the movie. Right. But even that was still unacceptable because maybe it would give the men perverse ideas. Crazy. Um, but yeah, that's all I got for the context going into it. I love that. Um, <laughs> it's curious. Like, it's so funny. Do you think that the Hayes codes, I mean, it's obviously, I, I guess I already know the answer to this, but maybe my, right, what I originally was going to say is how much of the Hayes code really set films and storytelling back? Like, where would film be if not for the Hayes code? But at the same time, I guess my, the thought I have coming out of that is, I guess it forced filmmakers to have to be creative that in I ways that they otherwise that. wouldn't have to be. Um, so I don't know. Maybe it's a give and take. Well, because there's there's a movie called Out of the Past. This is the first one that came to my mind. Yeah. There's, it's like a noir where, I don't re- I watched it so long ago, but it's it's Robert Mitchum and he's the, the, the detective or whatever. Yeah. And he's, he's on the case to to work with his ex lover, and they're trying to figure out something with her new like aristocrat husband, right? And so it's like telling that their past, while also their future, and how she's still like obsessed with him, but he's with this new woman, and this is sort of a tangent, but like the scene is they're in like this cabana and it's raining, and then he like takes her to the floor, and then the the camera sort of just like slowly pans away and it just stares at the 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 rain and then it goes to black yeah so it's like sometimes less is more and that those scenes are kind of cool sure but it's also kind of funny because it seems like some of these movies shouldn't have got a pass based on what we know the codes were because like another central part of this movie is incest between a cousin and a uh, like two cousins yeah and 
I don't know about you, but <laughs> that doesn't seem that, that seems like a sexual perversion, <laughs> which is a no-no. Yeah. It was a different time back then. And it's like the Hays Code has only been out for six years when this movie came out, so it's not like sure. It's not like they're uh, oh, we gotta we gotta keep censoring these movies. It's been forever. It's still fresh, I guess. I mean, I think I'm not gonna lie. I think Cousins. I think that was a thing. So, you, so you think with our modern eyes, <laughs> it's not as like. I mean, am I crazy? Well, like with like our, it, it's more a like, of like a taboo now. Uh, I would say yes. You think so? <laughs> yes, cousins for sure taboo now. Well, well, yes, I know it's taboo <laughs> now. I'm just saying, like, I just wanted to be sure we were clear on that. Well, yeah, but like you said, it's commonplace back then. I think it was. So, so the so the emphasis should be more on the cheating, versus the incest. Correct. Yeah, I think audience members weren't exactly like, oh, my lordy, it was the cousin. And it was more like, oh, cheating on the spouse. Yeah, because when we first wa- when we were first watching it, uh, I was like, oh, they, uh, they're sort of implying that they were together. And then like yeah, later in the movie. a different word. <laughs> <laughs> and then later in the movie, they're like, she bore my child. And I was like, okay, we're not, <laughs> yeah. we're not tiptoeing around no, it anymore. Like, not I, at all. like I thought we were going to have to. Yeah. Can we? Are we ready to to jump into this? Because we're, we're having a fun time laughing right now. This film. Can we first address how unintentionally funny this film was? Okay. Yeah. Like <laughs> it happened one night. If you viewers, if you listeners, I should say, we're, no, nobody's viewing these podcasts. Yeah. Unless you're unless you're slowly watching the ticker at the bottom of your Spotify app. Um. But we, it was funny. And it happened one night because of how they talked. Yeah. Because it was a comedy and it elevated even more. Yes. But it was funny the way they talk now because of how ridiculous it was. Yes. <laughs> like in the beginning, when the, the, the two characters first meet. Do, do we ever get a first name for the main character? Never. No. We never did. So I was, that was another thing I was going to address. So what does she would go by? I guess we'll just refer to her as Mrs. DeWinter. DeWinter, yes. DeWinters. So... so uh. Mrs. DeWinter before she was married. So whatever her name was. Yeah. Our main girl. She's eating breakfast with Max. And then she she orders scrambled eggs. Yeah. And then when she gets them. Oh, I'm not hungry. <laughs> and then he says, eat that up like a good girl. I <laughs> uh, love it. He calls her an idiot. Yes. Times. Yes. She, she breaks one of the priceless ornaments. Uh, that's Rebecca, the deceased wife, had on her little letter stand, and she, it later is, is revealed that she was the one who broke it. And Maxim is a. Uh, I'm pretty sure his literal line was, "Don't be an idiot next time." Don't be an idiot next time. Tell it's her. Confess. Yeah, confess. Um, we're, we've kind of been on like a tangent since we started this episode. That's that's the best. Type Maybe of it's not good that we're seeing each other. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so this movie follows. Uh. I tell me your name again. I already forgot. Mrs. De Winter. De Winter. I'll write that down. De Winter. And I believe the the husband's name, Max for short, but isn't his name? Don't they, doesn't she address him as Maxim? I, I think I think she shortens it sometimes. Mm. Um, so it follows Miss De Winter before she was Miss De Winter. She's like a secretary, yeah, assistant to this. Wealthy aristocratic woman, and they're in. Where are they? They're in Italy, I think. No, France, Italy, France. I think they're they're on the border of the 
of Italy and France, like the French Riviera. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're in the Riviera at some beautiful resort. And then that's when she they meet Maxim 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 is Maxim de Winter, who is sh- a, he is on a cliff. He's about to I guess it's implied that he's about to jump off, but it seems like he wasn't once he displays himself. Is that a Is that go with the Hayes Code? Could they Suicide? Yeah. I mean I guess. There was a lot of talk about suicide, I guess. Yeah, the whole <laughs> third act. But uh so they meet and then we get some exposition about how his his dearly departed wife drowned in a boating accident. And then I, I miss it's implied the continuity of time in this movie was really off. There's one particular <laughs> twenty four um, hour period that just we'll get to it. Um so I think it's implied that they're there all summer. Yes. And Max and Miss No Name, main character, they hit it off and they fall in love. And then how different love was back then. It's like a you little summer fling. Next thing you know, you're married. Yeah, you'd be like, would you like to take a drive? Yep. She's like, oh, yes. And they just drive in silence. <laughs> um, and then she, the, the, the heiress, uh, she says, oh, my daughter's getting married. We must go to New York at once. So then, of course, right before they're about to leave, she says, I love you. And then he says, we're getting married, blah, blah, blah. And then they get married. They go to the house. And that's when sort of uh, what the fish out of water story starts where she's this low life peasant who's now this aristocratic's wife and has all these new wife duties that she wasn't prepared for. Right. While Mrs. What's her name? Danvers. Danvers. Is it Danvers or Don? Danvers. Mrs. Danvers is her like the head maid. And she hates her because she, she loved Rebecca. She isn't it. Rebecca. She's not Rebecca. You were, you're trying to replace my Rebecca. And she's trying to do everything she can to, I guess, at one point, kill her. <laughs> or yeah. make her kill herself. Yes. Um, where she, she's the, not helping her out, like learning the ways of the house. Sort of just dumping all this stuff on her, and then actively telling her to dress up in the attire of his first wife's yeah ball gown and then outfit. Yeah, that part was kind of out of pocket. <laughs> Whereas, like, she says, "Oh, dress like this; they'll love it," and then they hate it. So then she runs into the room and she's crying. And then the Miss Danvers was like, "Jump, kill yourself." That's what I know you want to. Yeah, it was like hypnosis. Then she's like, "You'll feel so much better." <laughs> so uh, obviously. That's not the whole story. So then after that party, a a boat capsizes. And then because of that, they find the wreckage of Rebecca's ship. And then from there, Maxim reveals that the body that they recovered a year ago from the water was just some random girl that had drowned. And Rebecca's real body was at the bottom of the lake and they had just found her. And why, Zach? Why was her body in there? And it turns out that Rebecca was not a loving wife and she was crazy and she was tormenting Max and faking this life to make them all seem, make her seem like she was a beautiful wife. And, and it turns out that she was incapable of love and that she was actually having an affair with her cousin. And then she was pregnant with her cousin's baby and that baby would inherit the manor. Yeah, and then she wanted Max to kill her. So Max slaps her, but he doesn't kill her. And then she trips 
and falls on like an anchor. What did she? What did they say? Uh, the ship's towage ropes. <laughs> <laughs> and she dies. So then he plants her body in the ship and sinks it. But now, since the ship's been re- recovered, questions are being asked. And then the cousin thinks that she was murdered. And then it's between murder and suicide. And then the final twist is that they go to the doctor where they think that she was getting her pregnancy diagnosis. But then it turns out she had cancer. And then from there, uh, it's it's re- rediscovered that she was trying to get Maxim to kill her as her last ditch revenge effort on him. And then the final <laughs> twist is that Miss Danvers was so distraught that the, the the new couple would get to live together in harmony that she sets the house ablaze, burning it to the ground, and then it seems like she accidentally got caught in the blaze. Right, like the ceiling collapses on her. Yeah, like she's looking for a way out, and the ceiling collapsed on her, and then that's the end of the movie. No real happily ever after for this couple. <laughs> that was a really good description. You saying that out loud made the last act of that sound incredibly convoluted. Okay, I was struggling through the first half of this movie. All right, let's address it. So last film we talked about, Patho Panchali. I'll be honest. I, I think I, in my words, you may be a little bit different. I consider that film a little bit of a chore to get through. Mm-hmm. The first half of this film was a chore. Oh, my. Okay. It like, was a chore. It was. It just. How old was Hitchcock in his 40s? Probably. It just seemed like. You could definitely tell this was one of his earlier films because it's. It moves along at a snail's pace. Right. And then it all of a sudden yes, he just was, leaves at 41. 40, he was 41? Wow. He was born That's in, older than I thought. He was born in 1899. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 41-year-old Hitchcock. Yeah, it's just like it's you saved all the best stuff for last. And it's like you can only show me so many times that she's a fish out of water. I get it. And it seemed like every servant, every friend that she met, every debutante yeah. gal who would come visit her and ask her rude questions. It was just, yeah. It's like, it yes, I tedious. understand. She doesn't know how to address these letters. First of all, I don't know what she, what is she doing? Is she supposed to write daily letters <laughs> to just people? <laughs> Back then you just write. She gets what in, she this, do. in this like side room and the, oh, this is where Rebecca addressed her letters and you find out she's got hundreds of un- like sent letters Zach, I think we found out a lot about 1940s culture in this film. You're either sending letters or you're out in the streets with your stick moving circle, circle as a kid. What was the circle? <laughs> I don't know what it's called when they when they hit the stick to make it stay upright. <laughs> but I don't know. It just felt really self-indulgent and almost half-baked because scenes were like, th- I think the average scene length in that first half was like 25 seconds. Yes. And then a screen pan or a screen wipe. Or screen fade away. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Like, this movie was two hours and ten minutes. It could have easily been an hour and 40 minutes. Right. And I know it was, obviously, films back then, the third act was always the one where you would get a lot of reveal. And when I mean the third act, I I maybe more specifically mean the, the last, last 20 10 minutes. minutes, 15, 20 minutes. So, I understand that that's how films were constructed from a storytelling point of view. But I don't recall, like, it happened one night was not that slow yeah in the first half um i just don't understand most of it yeah 
Um, um, I, well, so I was going to say, look, the story is what it is. I, I think what, what elevates the film, right? I feel like we've been kind of bashing on it. Cause I, I mean, it wasn't bad. I'll say that it wasn't bad. It was slow. Okay. Yeah, it was slow. I'm, I'm, I'm frankly baffled. I'm just going to go ahead and say this right now while uh-huh. we're kind of on topic. Baffled that it's at an 8.1. Yeah. Baffled. Yeah. Compared to some of the other movies we watched, Sound of Music, 9 out of 10. Yes. Correct. Persona, I don't think you have an 8.2, but after this, it, if I'm comparing them, we'll get into it a second. Never mind. That, yeah. That's the end. Well, so I'll say this. Like I said, we've done a lot of bashing. I will say some good stuff about it. I'm going to talk about what elevated the film, and that was the characters. I thought, especially uh, Judith Anderson, gosh, I hope that name is right, who played Mrs. Danvers, was awesome. Like, I, I, I told you from the moment we saw her on screen, I was like, Zach, this woman was born to play this role. So <laughs> Mrs. Danvers was literally the definition of creepy, manipulative. Yeah, she almost gives off a sort of, like, uh, like our spectral presence. Yeah. Like, because I, for a second, I, I was like, are we, are we going in the route of maybe that's that's Rebecca and only she can see her, mm. and, yeah, 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 and that she's just tormenting her. It was like a, um, it was like an evil witch almost, yeah. like come to life, like that's live like action, like Wicked from Witch like, of the West, yeah, era, and even like her physical features, like they cast her like a physical presence. Like usually you talk about these actors and actresses, and it's like they're obviously they're the emotion they bring, and they're you know. But it's like her face, like her body itself, yeah, her like physically was like perfectly straight posture, all yeah. in black. And her face, the, the war, the one wart, the wart on the, the chin. Yeah, uh, but she was awesome, and she was she was creepy in pretty much every scene that she was in. And she wasn't she wasn't deadpan, nor was she monotone. But she she just she wasn't expressive. I, you see what I'm trying to say? Like how how would you describe her? Confidently reserved. Oh, I like that. Confidently because, reserved. Because she was, because she, just like how Rebecca, we 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 found out had this entire plan of how to unravel. This seems like this family dynasty. Yeah. Re, uh, Miss Danvers had a had her own plan of how what she imagined Rebecca would want. This sort of revenge narrative. Yeah, and she, and she, every scene she's in, she has the upper hand because she knows the house, she knows the people. She always has the. She upper has hand. the the history. She knows what dresses will set them off. Yeah, and it's all the scenes. It's unsettling too. Like the there is a uh, near the middle of the movie. I would say like the one scene that uh, didn't feel slow to me was when Mrs. De Winter, our main character. She's really interested in going in the West Wing where Rebecca's old room was. Mm-hmm. And she ventures in there and she's kind of like messing with the windows and the curtains and she opens sort of the balcony porch door. And then uh, Mrs. Danvers comes in and it's immediately like this eerie feeling. And Mrs. Danvers like showing Rebecca, I- I've left everything so untouched and perfect. And this is her dresser and the yeah. comb. And I would, I'd comb her hair for 20 minutes and she'd talk and I'd watch her get out of the bath and dress and here are her clothes. And it's just, Oh, so creepy. Like that's yeah, the part it where it's like started the real me in a little bit where I was like, yes, it's Mrs. Yeah. Danvers. The mind games of like, this is who you want to be. And you'll yeah. never be that as long as I'm here. Cause 
I'll never let you get this close. And yeah. Like it's 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 nothing crazy, and especially like by our modern standards. But I would say, out of all of the quote unquote old films that I've watched, she's definitely a strong character. Mm-hmm. Like she she yeah. I I feel I you know she's pulling me into that film, but in I do, a way that the I others do like are. building off of that scene. The next scene when Mister Winter, she immediately decides like, oh, I'm not gonna let her get to me anymore. She's like. Burn all the letters, like re redo this room the way I want it. You know, she kind of goes through a one eighty mm-hmm. between that and then when Maxim tells her what he did, yeah. and she's like, "Okay, she's well, like, <laughs> she's like, we nobody knows. Story but you straight. and me, yeah, our story straight. We gotta get we our story straight. Yeah. nobody knows. We'll be okay." She, become, she does become a strong character. Yep. Yeah. But okay, so while we're sort of on that. The, the biggest nitpick of this movie, like we are talking about, is sort of the, the continuity of time. First off, it's this isn't really continuity of time, but Max, he's sort of playing a character of like the the uh, the heartaching husband. But then he marries his girl in a year, like right after his, his beloved wife dies. Which if he was playing this character right, he seems like he wouldn't do that. Correct. But... First off, an undisclosed amount of time is passing at this hotel, and which is kind of weird. But the weirdest thing is, right after Mrs. De Winter does her little dress thing and is embarrassed in front of everybody, she goes outside. With the boat capsizes. Yeah, she goes upstairs in the boat capsizes and she can see everything happening. And immediately she like redresses and goes down and is asking, oh, have you seen Maxim? Have you seen Maxim? And then finally she goes into the little beachside cottage and he's there and then she's like i haven't seen you and it was 24 hours he's like what what are you talking about crazy <laughs> don't know how when that it, happened i was it was shocking we we had to talk during the film be like wait what? what did we just hear that right yeah it was but because it was edited like a scene where she sees what's happening she goes to investigate it she finds what she's looking for yeah and because it was kind of confusing because she's asking, she's like, oh, I think something bad might have happened. I was like, but you just saw him run down there. Right. Yeah, we're missing something. The editing was off. I do think that there there could have been something that maybe had to be taken out of the movie. Maybe they showed the dead body or something. Oh, that could be. Oh, maybe they couldn't because of the haze coat. The haze coat. Oh. Um, yeah, but it was really weird. But going from what I hated to what I liked the best, I thought the scene... Where Maxim and his 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 lover, his wife, are watching their home movies. Yeah. Where um I thought the lighting of that scene at the end yep. with the the home camera sort of acting as the the I can't remember the technical term. The I guess it's below lighting that shines up at you was really, really cool. Yeah. And there were a couple of scenes earlier in the movie where I think it was early when Miss Danvers is showing her around. You got some really cool shadow effects. Yeah. Where it it definitely was some classic Hitchcock coming through that like reminded me of Psycho and Birds. Yeah. We also talked about how um, there are certain scenes of the film and mostly uh, it had to do with them being in that. Um, gosh, now I can't think of the manner. What was it? Mendley? Medley? I can't yeah. recall what it was, but... Uh, it gave us like Citizen Kane vibes. Yeah, Citizen Kane's. What what else? Uh, 
Oh, Sound of Music. Sound of Music. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the, yeah, the black and white always creates some really cool shadow effects. That that was certainly a standout. I think um, in terms of lighting, sort of technical stuff, uh, the scene that you're referring to where they're watching their home videos and sort of their, their living room space creates some really dynamic shots. Um, I'm surprised you haven't brought up your favorite character in the film. What was his name? Jasper. Jasper, the dog. There's a dog who is forever immortalized in this film. I, it's I a little know. what, like Cocker Spaniel? Yeah, Nicholas and I. We were always, I think it maybe just me, but when I'm watching old movies, I'm just so fascinated to think that every single person that touched this movie is now deceased. Dead. I said, I know that dog was dead within 10 <laughs> years. Oh, yeah. But it lived a good life, I'm sure. I said, that dog, Jasper, was pampered. Yeah. To be a movie dog back in the day. Yep. But Jasper Jasper got several scenes. Jasper was a key plot point when he gets off the leash and he runs introduced down us to the cottage. To the cottage. He he tells us that there's something off. Yeah. At the end of the movie. Jasper's always running. Always running. Sometimes he's laying there, but always running. Always running. Um But yeah, I thought this movie was a little too melodramatic. Like, it reeked of, like, the melodramas from the 50s. And I, I I wish I would have done some more research on how much creative control Hitchcock actually had over this. Because it seemed like he sort of was just doing what was expected of him. And he got to add a little bit of technical flair. And sort of the ending was constructed in a way that was very Hitchcockian, if that's a word or yeah, maybe I don't. Probably not. I'm probably not the first person to ever say that. Now, this was Hitchcock's. I did see this, and I can't remember if we've talked about this name before, or I, I could just be mistaking. It was his first film under David Sel Selznick. Selznick is that name ring a bell at all? Have mm. we talked about him? I, I oh, could he's, be. He's a huge producer. Okay, maybe that's just what it Sanda, is. Uh, I mean, Gone with the Wind, King Kong. Um. Okay, I didn't know if that had that would have given any more insight into creative freedom or, or not rebecca obviously i mean i love just going and looking at posters of the studio era because they're all so cool they are very they're very awesome um the other thing that we talked about was uh mrs mrs uh de winter she does really go through it in this film she goes I I think that's and that, I think that speaks to your sort of the mellow dramatic dramatics that you're yeah. referring to. Have you ever seen any of like the the Howard Hawk ones from the 50s? Uh-uh. There's oh, what's what's it called? All that heaven allows. It's I don't remember the actress name, but it has Rock Hudson in it who it's hilarious looking back on it that he's typecasted as this like hunk yeah and it turns out he was gay yeah um what's about it's him he's like the working class man and he falls in love with this older woman and then the kids say it's taboo and then like the ending of it is they've broken up and then she finally realizes that she needs him and she's calling out for him at his log cabin and he's out hunting and then he falls off a cliff and then she has to nurse him back to health. So it, it sort of had that sort of like over the top love romance 
with a hint of mystery and suspense in it. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, she, she goes through it. Yeah. Uh, and I say well, that's in a bad way. She's just, she's always crying. Yeah, always crying. There's always, always something going on. And she, I don't know, her performance was, it was strikingly modern, yet dated at the same time, if that yeah. makes any sense. No, it does. And her, because her, she dresses sort of like a preschool teacher. Yes. Would. And they, they make mention of her, yeah. her hair and her clothing. And maybe that was a joke back then, but people actually sort of still dress like that. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing that I wanted to mention was uh, uh, Lawrence Olivier, who, <laughs> did we ever get any... Uh, confirmation about whether the photo so before we watch this film uh zach's like this man has just got the face of just classic hollywood gentleman and you looked him up and the first thing that came up on google images was this man and what year did you say 1965 yes in blackface <laughs> was that i assume that wasn't photoshopped no this is a this is a real movie it's off, Othello, 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 yeah. It has. Is that who I think it is? Is that Maggie Smith? Maggie Smith, baby, Professor McGonagall. It's, it's a, it's a play. It's by Shakespeare. It's a Shakespeare play, and they just recorded. Uh, like the stage version of it. So it's on a stage, but it's they filmed it, yeah. and he is in blackface. Okay, uh, that has nothing to do with the film whatsoever. I just wanted to say this, just note that I thought that was just a funny thing that we came across before we were. What is? I've never heard of this. And what was Shakespeare doing writing about Africa, and African princes and kings? Couldn't I've tell never you. heard of this. Couldn't but tell the, you. the 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 poster drew me in Laurence Olivier as. Othello, an actual performance of the National Theatre of Great Britain. The greatest Othello ever by the greatest actor of our time. Uh, did you did you like his performance in this film? Uh, yeah, I mean, performances back then were just... You, it's... It's... I don't know. You can tell that it's a performance. Yeah. Like... I think that's what it is. And I think that speaks to what you're saying about Fontaine, where it's it's modern, but it was dated. I think it's just because it's all, it doesn't feel real. And it's yeah. not necessarily the actor and actress's fault, just because it's it's all melodrama. Yeah. Take your, take your touch, honey. But I, I will say, though, in his defense, he didn't have that sort of like mid-Atlantic yeah. accent like he, you would he, have back then. It came the, out a couple, it was weird because he was doing it. It was a British voice, but it was still sort of that. Sure. And I don't know, but but like it came out in the lines of like, eat that up and be a good girl. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you, 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 you useless idiot. Yeah. Oh, Um, you, 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 you loving idiot. It's just it. There was a reason why Judith Anderson, Mrs. Danvers stood out to me. Um, I I will say I I have a couple of questions to ask you. And I think we'll we'll kind of give us and maybe audience members sort of a sort of a good overall idea of where we kind of stand on this film. Are you ready for this? Of course. 
did you find the movie suspenseful? It's supposed to be a suspenseful film. So the the runtime is two hours and ten minutes. Sure. An hour and 43 minutes and 28 seconds of that was no suspense. <laughs> I agree. So I, I would say pretty emphatic no. No. Did you find the mystery? Also, and also the fact that because we are seeing the narrative through Mrs. DeWinter's eyes, mm-hmm. and she has no stakes in the movie at the end. Correct. It has nothing to do Like, she's not going to end up in jail. Right. We're seeing it through her eyes. We're empathizing with her. The worst thing that's going to happen to her is she has to go back to her normal life. Yeah. So I think it would have worked better as a suspense if it was through his eyes. 100% agree. 100%. Yeah. Continue. Um, did you find the mystery compelling? And when I say mystery, I guess really it only presented itself near the the third act. To some extent, I think it was... I don't know. It's. I think it would have helped if we would have seen actually. I don't know. I mean, because we never see Rebecca. We're right. just relying on this one man's sure. Like testimony, and he could very well be lying. Yep. But the film isn't really interested in pursuing that avenue that maybe he is lying. Okay. Because the Hayes Code says it had to be an accident, and it. It takes any sort of mystery out of it. Yeah. I've got two more for you. So it w- it was okay. Okay. Uh, did you find the film haunting? Haunting. Was it scary? Was it haunting? No. <laughs> I think that's what they were going for. I rolled over in my seat and passed out. I was so <laughs> like Mrs. De Winter at the courtroom. Uh, all right. My final question then is: Do you obviously we're looking at this through the lens of September 2023. Audience members in 1940. Is this a revelation to them? Is this a good... Is I don't know. Is it a good film for them? Is it a great film? Um. Hold on. Let me... Let me... Let me just look up, like, popular films of the... Of uh, that era. Right. Obviously, we brought up Selznick, Gone with the Wind, so that came out a year prior. One of the biggest movies, if not the biggest movie of all time. Um, because I don't know, because you you've already had the uh, like Universal monster movies come out. Because I I think that like Frankenstein, like, Dracula, yeah, Dracula, they're all already coming out. Sure. Um, and I would say those were probably scarier. I don't know. More suspenseful. Okay. I don't know if I don't know if there's anything in this movie that's really like a revelation. Okay. And I mean it d- depends because like Fritz Lang's M was a mystery movie, but that's if you're not familiar with German movies and you're not going to know that. Sure. Um I don't know. Like Cat People from the th- early 30s. Right. Uh, the reason I bring that up is because as we consider working our way up this list, it's pretty evident that some of the films on here might be on here because of their historical cultural significance. However, I guess cat people came out in 1942. So that hadn't come out yet. Okay. But the thing is, I don't know because it's user score. That's right. Because I don't know if the average IMDb user is putting, taking that into consideration. 
it's just I, I imagine and I know we're you and me are pretty simpatico when it comes to our thoughts on these films at least most of the time if not we're pretty close maybe a, a score or two away in terms of like a, a point scale or star scale but 400 blows persona even it happened one night Does this film really user users truly think that this film is better? I don't well because they're all on the same like eight point one. Yeah, but I mean, would you put it? Okay, I'll read off our current list. Okay, we have a Aladdin at two fifty, Life of Brian at two forty nine, Dances with Wolves, The Help, The Iron Giants, The Four Hundred Blows, It Happened One Night, The Sound of Music, Cool Hand Luke. Panther, Pachali, Persona. Yeah. I'd put um, almost all the films we watched above. I think I would film. I would put it maybe at 246. Yeah. Below the Iron Giant and above the Help. I'd maybe even put it below the Help. I didn't. It, there wasn't anything to me that this film was like this. I could tell the, the historical significance or, or significance that this. You know, it wasn't innovative for film, or at least, you know, I, yeah, not to my well, naked eye. Like, nor did I think the story was interesting enough. Like, I, I thought it happened one night. Story was at least interesting, and that film came out eight seven years, years seven beforehand. Years. Yeah, but like, because if you're thinking like horror films, you have the universe stuff. There is, like, Nosferatu's been out for almost two decades. Yeah. You have Doctor Caligari, which is came out in 1922, 1917, mm-hmm. right? Um, you have already have Hitchcock made The Man Who Knew, Knew Too Much in 1934, so it's not like the mystery is like a new genre, right? You have M. A Metropolis is sort of a maybe a mystery. Yeah. I mean, I will say it's it's clever in the sense like, you know, what is this film called? Rebecca. Like, what is what is the lingering? you know thing that's happening with the film it's it's the presence of this dead woman right it's it is strong in the sense that you know maybe there wasn't any sort of film that was able to showcase an idea like that right where you have 1920 by the way 1920 caligari okay uh like I, i do think that's a strong thing to be able to have a film that essentially revolves around a character you never see mm-hmm I mean, I, I do think that's powerful. I don't, I don't know. Maybe this is getting into our overall thoughts, reviews, yeah, ranking we, scale. Yeah, I mean, do you have anything else you really want to? No, I, like I said, it's and it stinks because it's like I said, I I think that I think the acting was worthwhile. I I thought that Judith Anderson as Danvers was was the standout. The score we talked about was ineffective. Maybe is the word I'll use. Story to me. Meh. I don't think I don't think I have anything else. Um, hot off the presses here. What's your rating? It it it, it retails at an eight point one. Yep. Put me down for a six point one. That's really low. I was I was I was going seven point four. Mm-hmm. I was pretty low on Pater Penchali as well. Again, not that Are I don't still, think they were low on it. Yeah. You're gonna watch the Abu trilogy now. Maybe. Maybe. You, never, I, you know, if I, if I ever have the time. If they were on the list, I would. Oh, of course. And I, you know what? I'd look forward to it. Um, and I think it's pretty clear that this is not moving on. 
Not moving on. Not moving on. So, Persona, what a run it's been on. Persona has been on a run. Because I know the list has changed since we started. So, let me pull up my screenshots of the list. Okay. If I can find it. Or did I delete it? No, I didn't. So, Persona was at 244 when, when we first did it, I think. Okay. So, it's it's, it's climbing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no contest for this one. I'm chalking this up to no contest. No. We even joked about how it was getting into Persona territory when it went down to the beach. Yeah. Um. And I say this knowing full, full, fully well that I may be wrong, but I, I truly believe that... We are the the list has done is done with its jockeying around. That's hilarious. A new two fifty is out out now. That I w- that it wasn't even gangs of was a was a pure. It's not five hours and twenty three minutes, is it? Yep, five hours and twenty one minutes. Because that one was the one that I didn't even. Because by the time you had relayed that information to me, it was already gone, and it was a different one. Wow. Honestly, I say this with all the love in my heart. If that was our first movie, I don't know if this would have ever got off the ground. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I think we can be real there. <laughs> yeah. Rebecca, 239. Uh, sorry. you don't. Sorry, Rebecca. It. Sorry. Bye, Rebecca. Yeah. We're fleecing you like you tried to fleece our boy Maxim. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's good. But next week, next week we are Jasper dashing to <laughs> Amores Perros. Oh, that's going to be another fun one to pronounce. It's Spanish. And this one, maybe I read it last week. Amore Perro. Isn't that like dog love? Love dog. Amor is love. And then Perro, dog. Amores, lovers. Lovers, dogs. Dog, dog lovers. Dog lovers. <laughs> This is our this is our Hispanic version of Hatchy a Dog's Tale. Ooh, but it's a horrific car accident connects three stories. Oh no! Each involving <laughs> characters dealing with loss, regret, and life's harsh realities, all in the name of love. Okay, and for you uh, for you longtime listeners, it has our boy Gabel Garcia Barnell. That's pretty good by you. Who was in? I think I butchered that. Who was in a film that you may have listened to? Itu mami tambien. Itu mami tambien. Itu mami tambien. Hey, go back into the archives and listen to that one, folks. Very interesting film. Just think, we recorded that just like we're wi- we're recording this episode just now. Like we did just like this on the couches. But just like the the castle mandolin or whatever it's called, all good things must come to an end. So, Nicholas, social medias, our social medias just stand right now at Twitter, Twitter, at close screening at close screening at close screening, uh, repost those tweets, like the tweets, like share the tweets, share. Um, if you're listening to this on Spotify, overcast, Apple podcasts, hey. all, all the ones, uh, like subscribe, subscribe where, Hey, you know what? Can you, if you leave five stars, a, we're gaining about a, a one subscriber a week. Yes. You so don't need good. to even write a comment. Just put a little five star. And if you're listening on Spotify, tell us what you thought. We, we got polls. polls. Tell us if you if you think we made the right choice. 
because I'd love to. I'd love to have a listener come on and sort of defend a movie that we are not moving on. Oh, that'd be fun. Because I'm sure that we're we're gonna get some movies when we go up there that maybe it's gonna be close, a lot yeah. closer than what it is now. Correct. But we must say I do. It's nighttime. So I do. I feel as I'm <laughs> Zach, my favorite line. Oh, first off, last thing I want to say. Yeah. It's been about maybe a month and a half since we last signed the music. I still think about that movie every three days and six hours. <laughs> just it's pretty good. Just pops in my head. The I think we might have made a mistake not moving it on. But the sounds of music. In retrospect, I think when we're done with this list, we need to, with the movies we watched, mm-hmm. we need to construct our own 250. Okay. And not just like move the one up and up and up. Okay. I like that. Um, and maybe that'll be a tremendous undertaking. <laughs> it, it's going to be like a draft day. I'll be like, oh, all right. <laughs> what was the difference between my 145 and my 146? But I, I am listing every movie that we're watching in its, in its current, in our current ranking. Okay. But Nicholas, same time, same place next week. We'll catch you then.